What's up, guys? It's Little D from FMF. When I'm not mixing gas and hauling ass, I'm listening to Big MX Radio. Hey, guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio. But when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, mfceo.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast Show, brought to you by FMF and the Fast House, as well as Sickwick's Scented Candles, Soy Candles. Check this out right here. Got one of them right here on my desk, and uh, this is our... Uh, this is the A1 review. Um, I'm going to do this thing on my own just because I'm going to try this out for the first time. We're doing a Facebook Live as well as the the, the race review. We'll bring up uh, some of my notes from this last race. Uh, starting off with the track. Really impressed with the track and the layout from Anaheim 1. Typically, the first race of the year is pretty basic. It's a short lap time because it's a baseball stadium, but they were able to squeeze a minute out of the floor Uh at Anaheim 1, thanks to the over-under bridge. Uh, I always feel that the over-under bridge adds a little bit of a wrinkle and obviously adds some real estate to the track. So that's definitely helps with uh, that track um, just being a minute long. And there's a couple of things that come in with having a one-minute-long lap time in the fact that uh, you'll come across lap lappers and different kinds of lap traffic at different times of the race because of that. Uh, a shorter lap time usually uh, means that you'll not only will you you'll come up on lappers quickly, but later on in the race, the, the lappers are really spread out. So they don't seem to become, become as much of a factor late in the race. A longer lap time, somewhere around two, a minute, minute five, you actually start to uh, get into the lappers later. And then uh, the lappers seem to be more bunched up, more uh, erratic late in the race. So that can actually uh, make uh, a big difference on the, the racing and, and how things play out. And we'll kind of get to how that uh, affected the, the races in both the 250s and the 450s later on. Um, first of all, as far as the features went, I was pretty impressed with the track. Two different sets of whoops, one really short one and one longer one, uh, both of which held up amazingly in the rain. Uh, I was actually really impressed by that. So shout out to Randy Meninga and everybody at the Dirtworks crew. Those guys did a fantastic job and should be commended for their efforts because uh, anyone who's worked on a track before knows uh, when Mother Nature calls and you've got to put on a fantastic um program and, and all that fun stuff uh you're you're really up against it so those guys uh the first event of the year for them and they did a, an amazing job they built those two big doubles um i can't confidently say that i would have had any confidence hitting either one of those jumps um on my 252 stroke but uh those guys made it look pretty easy even some of the guys in the 250 class jumping those um and we'll, we'll actually talk a little little bit about how those two jumps sort of um we're sort of a make or break part of the racetrack for a lot of guys um, as their evening went. Um, let's talk a little bit about that broadcast. Uh, for those who are watching on the uh, video pass or if you're watching on NBC Sports, um, decent. Like, it wasn't a huge difference, honestly. Uh, if you didn't know much had changed from the year prior, I don't think you would have pointed things out other than the fact that you didn't have... Um, Jeff Emig there, and uh, obviously I think that Jeff and Ralph had a little bit more chemistry than uh, Ricky and, and Ralph do right now, but the reality is is that's an improve that's going to improve. You're going to see things change significantly um, with the two of them, so I, I expect bigger things uh, to come with that broadcast. Um, 
And honestly, Ricky Carmichael wasn't bad at all. The guy is a phenomenal racer. He's one of the greatest motocross racers of all time. If not uh, the greatest, there's definitely an argument that uh, can be made for that. So uh, I, I really thought that he did a fantastic job. Um, he knows the sport. I don't think that he's able to go as in-depth as he'd like to go. Like, obviously, he's not going to be like your uh, analysts on the NFL or the hockey where these guys are past pros who can really get into the intricacies of the game. Uh, they really try to like sort of uh, throw some softballs out there, especially at Anaheim 1 for these new uh, viewers, new listeners. Uh, so it just seems to me that uh, it, it just... You're not going to get as much info out of Ricky or Jeff or anybody that's in that analyst spot as you'd like, especially as a hardcore fan. If you're listening to this uh, as a podcast or watching on Big MX Radio, the Facebook, like you're a hardcore motocross fan and you love the sport and you're you're feasting for more information all the time. But if you're a casual fan, a lot of the information that's being uh, thrown out there is pretty relevant. Uh, so you kind of have to take that with a grain of salt that uh, not everyone that's listening um, has a deep well of knowledge of uh, the last 20 odd years of Supercross action. Some people are rather new and I think that RC did a fantastic job. Uh, the, di- the demographic or the dynamic of having uh, Two in the booth and two on the floor, uh, that's something that they've played with in the past. I think that Will Christian did a fantastic job of it. Um, she's a professional. She does, she formed her questions really, really well. And uh, she, I think that they've, they've thankfully, have sort of gone away from uh, giving more responsibility to Miss Supercross. Uh, of course, Juliana Daniel, uh, good at what she does, which is looking beautiful on race day. Uh, not exactly a, a top-notch reporter, and I think that's what uh, Will Christian's there for. And I think she did an admirable job. She should continue doing that, and I look for more from her in the, in the future. Um, as for... Uh, a short little guy. What's his name there? Uh, Daniel Blair. Daniel Blair on the floor. He breaks down the racetrack better than RC ever did on the floor. I think he does a fantastic job uh, with both the, the interviews and sort of breaking down how the track is shaping up as a guy who uh, raced arena cross up until I think only about three or four years ago. So he's still pretty current uh, and did a fantastic job with that. I think it's funny that him and RC are about the same stature, about five foot six and uh, a little round around the middle. But I think that RC looks like he's actually changing a little bit about that. I thought I saw him on the exercise bike in his Instagram story. So that might be a uh, push in the right direction for RC. Uh, Two funny moments that uh, I sort of picked out from the broadcast, uh, one of which was when Ricky Carmichael mentioned the lap times had changed uh, drastically from the beginning of the night show, uh, which were around 55 seconds, to then later on in the 450 LCQ when they were turning lap times of a a minute two seconds, um, which is... Let's be honest, like it's an astute observation, but unfortunately the guys that are racing in the 450 LCQ aren't quite going to be ripping down the same lap times as uh, as the guys who are leading the 450, uh, 450 mains or, or heat races for that matter. Um, but I will mention that during qualifying, I couldn't believe how close the lap times were. Uh, I believe the the top 20 were only separated by by about three seconds, which is a pretty small margin, and and even the the top two spots only by a couple hundredths of a second. So you know, guys were uh, finding that fast way around the track, and they were executing it. So, uh, um, and that also tells me that it, was, it wasn't a, a super challenging. Uh, 
track to, to get down and it also tells me that, that there weren't a ton of different options out there as far as jump lanes go because that usually does pr produce uh, some drastic changes between uh, one lap to another and stuff like that. Um, let's get into qualifying a little bit here, just kind of uh, some quick notes. Adam Cianciarulo, top spot in the 250s. No surprise there. He should be there. That's what's expected of him, and he was able to deliver on that. So um, a great step forward. Uh, kind of like, like We've seen that from Adam Cianciarulo a ton. Unfortunately, his night pretty much ended how it normally does for Adam with a few mental breakdowns, but we'll talk about that in a minute here. Uh, one surprise, or actually two surprises, Jimmy Dakotas, who this shouldn't be too much of a surprise. He's always been able to throw down a lap. Uh, was ended up third in qualifying, putting that Suzuki where it needs to be. So the thing clearly got the horsepower, maybe not uh, what it needs to uh, get the, the starts he's looking for. But either way, he's uh, he was able to get a really fast lap time. And then Chris Bloss at, uh, I think, the tender age of about 30 or 20, 28, 29, 30, uh, is pretty, pretty spectacular to see him eighth in, in uh, combined uh, times for qualifying. Uh, he's on a privateer Husqvarna. Uh, it's not a factory-backed machine whatsoever. Uh, I think he's got a great engine builder over there uh, with the, uh, the Gas Monkey AJE Husqvarna team. They, they did a great job with that bike, and I think that uh, that produced basically the result of him uh, being... Eighth in, in uh, qualifying, one disappointment, and uh, this will be a little bit of a theme. I, I have maybe guilty of beating up on him a little bit, but Sean Cantrell, 14th in point or 14th in qualifying, really surprised to see that. Um, just like typically, like technically, if he's the uh, the 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 least most successful or the worst qualifying factory guy, uh, in my opinion, he shouldn't be any further back than 12th. Uh, uh, two got basically two athletes from every OEM uh, represented, and uh, they should all be in front of the uh, the factory support or uh, the non-factory supported athletes. Of course, Blos, and uh, I believe it was who else got in there? Uh, looking at qualifying quickly. Combined times, I believe. Oh, it was uh, uh, Ames, not Ames. 250s call, uh, 250 combined times. Hayes, Jacob Hayes. It's funny that the two uh, uh, arena cross guys basically coming together to uh, take the eighth and ninth place in qualifying. Good on those guys for having awesome rides, uh, and also uh, technically not a factory supported American rider. But good to see Jess Pettis in the twelfth spot. He was in the B practice, and it was able to knock down a faster lap time than the aforementioned Sean Cantrell, who. Um, has a factory ride. He's a top flight rider uh, to his own credit. And I think that uh, in time we'll be able to uh, be groomed into a guy who's going to uh, be very successful in su in Supercross, but he needs to get his homework done. Uh, he needs to be competing. This is a second full year in Supercross. He needs to be up there with Michael Moseman. He needs to be up there with RJ Hampshire and the rest of the, the factory supported guys, in my opinion. Um, so let's continue on with the 450s in in qualifying. Blake Baggett. I'm going to mention the the top qualifier or a surprise because it's the same thing. Anyone who would have said that Blake Baggett was going to be the the, the first qualifier for the evening uh, was probably a liar. Um, I I don't think you could have expected that. Like not to say that uh, Blake's not a fast motocross racer, but the reality is is he's just. It's not what's expected of him on a regular basis. Um, he's, he hasn't shown a lot of 
like just the sprint lap speed. He's always been uh, more of an outdoor guy, but at the at the first Supercross of the year, first in qualifying, he threw down a heater on the last lap, which was fantastic. He did a great job, and uh, he'll, he continues to do so. Um, disappointment would have absolutely be uh, Aaron Plessinger. Didn't expect 16th uh, as a qualifying spot for him. Uh, maybe some race, like first race jitters. Maybe not uh, completely performing to his uh, the best of his ability. But uh, even still, I, I really felt like he would have been uh, better than 16th in qualifying, getting uh, bested by quite a few guys that I would have uh, expected him to be able to out qualify. But uh, and Aaron has had fast qualifying times in the 250s before. I don't cr- really know what was the story there. Uh, both qualifying times in both sessions wasn't uh, banging off the top of the leaderboard. So uh, something to definitely uh, keep an eye on uh, because that's going to translate into uh, more and more difficult spots to do his starts with because Aaron's not a gifted starter. Uh, he ended up qualifying in the eighth spot of the, I believe that's the second uh, uh, heat race. So uh, that like eighth spot on the, on the gate pick for uh, the heat race makes it hard to get a good start in the heat race, makes it hard to get a good start in the main. Uh, so putting himself in a bad position right off the hop was Aaron Plessinger. So I was kind of bummed about that. Let's get into the 250 class for racing uh, sakes. And uh, first and foremost, a huge shout out and congratulations to your winner, Colt Nichols. I've had him on the podcast a number of times, at least four or five times now. And every time that I have him on the podcast, he's a phenomenal interview. Um, He's so well-spoken, so heartfelt. Uh, He's the kind of guy that will uh, like text you back immediately if he can or can't do a podcast. Uh, Very apologetic if he can't make something happen. And uh, I was really happy for Colt. He's been working at it for a long time. He's done uh, knee injuries all, all the way back from his days on uh, on the uh, Ride 365 uh, Honda team and then uh, working his way up. He's number 69 with, uh, with, of course, the Rock River Yamaha team. And then I believe this is his second full year uh, racing with the uh, second or third full, full year race. Yeah, sec- third full year. This will be his third year racing with Star Racing Yamaha. He raced one season with the number 39. Uh, um, when they were when they were a rock star team last year, obviously he's number thirty one. Had a fantastic season, um, coming back from injury and had a, a good strong end of his season, battling uh, some some arm stuff. He's full bill of health and uh, a guy to look out for, obviously because he won that first race. Not too much to say about Dylan Ferrandis and uh, Shane McElrath. There's two guys that I think would have had a better opportunity to to beat Colt, but in those conditions, I think it was more. It was those two were uh, they were sort of caught battling each other as well as um, just sort of trying to get through the race. I think neither one of them would uh, would scoff at a, at a podium performance, leaving a race like that in the rain. So I think. Um, more or less it was survival mode and uh being kind of caught in their own battle which is what kept them from trying to uh chase down Colt Nichols throughout the evening um just want to touch on that uh pretty pretty tight incident there uh explosive moment between RJ Hampshire and uh Adam Cincerulo reality is these kids are both Florida boys they're they're a decent uh, time apart, so they, I don't think they would have raced each other too much at all as as amateurs. Uh, but uh, the reality is, Adam Cianciarolo was like a house on 
fire out there. The guy was flying. He was jumping those two big doubles. He was he had a bad start and was working his way to the front of the pack. Um, but and R.J. Hampshire had a good start. He was he was riding closer to the front of the pack and actually uh, he looked pretty pretty good all day long, um, despite only qualifying in the sixth place spot. Um, R.J. Got to the end of that rhythm section prior to the whoops. Went a little bit outside. You could say that he left the door open. Uh, and Adam Sinsrow basically just rode him high. I think he basically wanted to kind of get him out of his way, move on to the next uh, section. Um, the problem is that Adam didn't put nearly enough real estate on uh, on RJ in that 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 whoop section, and uh, that resulted in uh, Adam uh, trying to close the door. I think he genuinely tried to hit the brakes after getting out of the whoop section. Uh, a lot of people faulting him for leaving the door open, but uh, for those uh, who would claim that, like you really got to attempt to slam on the brakes after blitzing a set of whoops on a greasy uh, surface like that, not easy to do. Um, and I think that was just product of the conditions and not being able to get enough real estate in that, that, uh, whoop section. Uh, and RJ maybe put a little bit more body English on it, mainly because he's maybe a little bit, uh, a little hot from, uh, what happened only one corner ago. So, uh, old Rick put, uh, put Adam on the ground, lost a couple of positions, ended up having to battle back to that same spot where he finished. I believe that was a fifth place spot for Adam C and Cerullo and, uh, like, Damage control, the rate the season's not over whatsoever. But at the same time, you would uh, he would have hoped for a podium performance, especially when all of his best competitors finished uh, ahead of him. He's literally uh, like as far as guys who have a chance to win this title, of which I I think that's Adam Cianciarolo, Dylan Ferrandis, Shane McElrath, and Colt Nichols, um, as well as. Uh, I, take Adam out of there, but uh, including RJ Hampshire, those are basically the four guys that have any, in my opinion, have any chance of taking a ch- this championship away from Adam. Um, and I, I think, honestly, RJ Hampshire has basically, is more of an outside chance. Same thing with Colt Nichols. Um, so the, the heavy three is Adam, Dylan, and Shane, uh, respectively. And I think that uh, the that Adam has got to be uh, leaving Anaheim one a little bit bummed that uh, he didn't, he wasn't able to uh, continue with that and be successful. Um, but yeah, a um, couple other things I wanted to mention, uh, Jess Pettis and Cameron McAdoo, if you looked close, they didn't really highlight it on the TV show whatsoever, but those guys must've passed each other about 10 times each, uh, which is, would have been, a, uh, I want to talk to McAdoo maybe and, and get the story behind that battle. Cause I think it was a good one. Um, great first supercross for Garrett Marchbanks as he was able to, uh, have himself a fantastic ride as well. Um, flying the flag for, uh, for the arena cross boys was, uh, was both, um, Chris Blos and Jacob Hayes. They had great races as well as their qualifying. So, uh, respectable rides from a couple of guys coming from a championship that's no longer around. Um, and, uh, that, that's obviously uh, something that, uh, is a bummer for them, but they've got, they've come to find somewhat decent rides in supercross and, uh, are making the best of it. Uh, last couple of mentions in the 250 class, Jerry Robin did not do what Jerry Robin does. He actually qualified easily through the LCQ, very safe, although he was looking behind himself quite a bit uh, in the closing stages of that race. 
but uh, also put together a fantastic moto into uh, to cap things off. And uh, Sean Cantrell, again, like I mentioned earlier, uh, an A1 to forget, um, a similar finish to his qualifying well outside the uh, the top 15. And uh, uh, basically, I think you have to go back to the drawing board, forget about A1 and go on to Phoenix. We're going to throw it to commercial break here, not on the live video, but just on... Uh, for the podcast, we'll throw it to commercial break, and we'll be right back with the 450s in the racing. Hey, Big MX listeners. Thanks for listening to this episode. Check out these commercials, support our sponsors, and we'll be right back to the show. Thanks for listening. Hey, Big MX listeners. Let's talk a little bit about Sick Wicks Candles. Sick Wicks is the small business that you may not have heard of so far, and that's why they're on the show right now. That's why we need to get you informed. Soy-based candles are phenomenal. They're not made with the same harmful chemicals that a paraffin wax candle are made from, and the scents are unbelievable. You need to check these out. The Morning Moto smells like coffee. The Privateer smells like beer, as it should. All these awesome candles, you got to check them out. They're motocross, dedicated, and uh, they, they, they burn nice and clean. they got that wood wick that sounds awesome. It, it pops and crackles just like a real fire. And uh, it's going to make your garage smell better. It's going to make your living room smell better. And if you take them into the bedroom, don't tell me about it, but enjoy it. You're going to love these candles, and you can find them at sickwicks.com. Head there right now. Enjoy them, and you're going to love them. Absolutely. Check them out. Only recently have the health benefits of CBD products been acknowledged by the masses. CBD is every bit as powerful as it is misunderstood. In the past, we've known so little about a vital system that exists in every single one of us. Medterra CBD products promote wellness and overall improved health so that you can be your very best each day. A passionate and dedicated staff have developed an impressive lineup of CBD products which help as a sleep aid, an anti-inflammatory, and for pain relief. Why choose Medterra CBD? Medterra CBD products are of the highest quality, purity tests are done extremely frequently, and their responsive and dedicated customer care team will guide you through your CBD journey. For more information or to browse Medterra CBD's products, please visit www.medterracbd.com. Medterra CBD, our CBD, your health. Since 1979, Maxima USA has changed lubrication. Industry-leading products have equated to hundreds of championships wherever quality lubricants are needed. Maxima has built a reputation for great quality by earning lifelong customers one at a time. Customers who trust in the complete lineup of products from Maxima USA. From our flagship Castor 927 mixing oil to our famous SC1, and the full array of market-leading products. Maxima has what you need on the track and in the garage. Maxima racing oils are proudly made in the USA. For more information, visit www.maximausa.com. We're going to do whatever we want, and if you're cool with it, you're cool with it. If you're not, we're still going to do the thing. I can just let go. Put our middle fingers up with a smile and let it roll.
not just go out there and train to be number one because it's more losers and winners in this world. I grew up in Newhall. That was 805. I got into this can. I said, that is a badass fucking can. The beer's even better inside. We have a band of brothers. They're different. They just like to have a good time and live life, have fun, and kill it. Fast house is nothing but fun. We all want to feel good. The average guy can go out there, throw down. I do it my way, and it's all that matters. It's not easy to do this shit. My girl's looking at me to support her, and I'm got a broken leg from dirt bike. You see a lot of people that fall out of it. It's all so based on results and being the winner. That mentality of the 60s, 70s, that's what we try to do is bring that back where it's not so serious. I don't really like the super competitiveness of it. I like to bring something that's more lighthearted. Probably all serious about it at one point and kind of realize let's just have fun. That's what my old man did, and it just really resonated with me riding a dirt bike on that fine line of glory and disaster. Throw your leg over a bike and haul ass across the desert and feel free. 90% of people that own a motorcycle go out on the weekends and they just want to have fun. Can't ever take that for granted. Two wheels till the wheels fall off, man. Once I feel like you become a man, you know, you get off the track and you're exhausted and just ice cold beer, just nothing sounds better than that. This Fast House crew is going to break the mold how it used to be and maybe even then some. Big MX listeners, Supercross season is coming and that means the return of the collective experience. Nobody brings you closer. Nobody gives you an exclusive experience where you are part of a privateers racing program throughout the day i'm talking pre-race strategy filming practice session sessions talking about the racetrack meeting the riders getting cool swag getting to hang out with guys like dave drakes getting to hang out with guys like me at the track it's an awesome program and the money goes right back to the privateers you're actually supporting their racing program and you get a really cool experience check it out google the collective experience First thing that pops up, you can check out their intern program. You can check out all that fun stuff. You guys need to get on this program. Check it out. You can like Collective EX, I believe, on Instagram. Uh, the Collective XP is their uh, website, I believe. Check them out. The Collective Experience. Dave Drake's over there. Great friend of mine, and he wants you guys to be part of this program. Check it out. Can't wait to see you there. The Collective Experience, a proud sponsor of the Big MX Radio Podcast. Hey guys, this is Johnny Louch from the W Training Facility, powered by Crosley. Head over to Matera and enter Team W and get 15% off. The product's amazing. You'll love it. And uh, thanks to the support of Big MX Radio Broadcasts. Love being on the show and talk to you soon. 
And we're back, 450 class on the docket, and a few uh, things to mention before we uh, say goodbye on this podcast, and as well as the Facebook Live. If you're watching live right now, we appreciate you tuning in, especially Olaf Rome for uh, for checking things out. That's awesome to see you're, you're, you've been watching basically from the beginning. Um, but uh, Dean Wilson led 14 of 20 laps. Fantastic first race for him. I think he had a a great race, a, a great day, good qualifying. He was up. He was up in qualifying. He, I believe, he won one of the heat races, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and um, yeah, just a great race. Like the unfortunately went back to fourth place, but uh, if not, um, if not for like the conditions, and I, I don't even know why he, he went backwards, other than the fact that uh, those the, the top three were coming, including Eli Tomac, who had a terrible start. Eli ended up with a bad start, worked his way all the way back to third on the last lap, and um, that guy will charge all the way to the beginning, or all the way to the end. Um, obviously, starts are still an issue for him, uh, not grabbing those same... The, like last year, he had the starts uh, on the great figured out outdoors. They didn't have the great, uh, so I think he struggled with that a little bit. Back on the greats now, and uh, the the starts have gone away though. So um, Eli needs to get those things come back once, and if they do come back, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. For the first time in six years, Justin Barsha has won a Supercross race. Fantastic for him. Great for Yamaha. Their first win since 2012 when James Stewart was racing for them, believe it or not. Um, And he looked good doing it. Uh, In control, I I made the prediction midday uh, that if it's muddy and if there's moisture on the track, Justin Barsha is my pick to win the race, and he did exactly that. Uh, I think that was a, a great step forward and uh, definitely makes him a title contender this year. If you're going to be a w- race winner, you got a chance to win a championship. Uh, Ken Roxon strong the entire race, which was encouraging to see because obviously uh, coming back from those injuries and stuff like that, just a steady ride, second place, and uh, he'll go on to Phoenix feeling good about things. Already talked about uh, um, terrible start for Eli Tomac, comes back to third. Gotta be the RC hard charger would be Cooper Webb. He's on the ground in the first corner, climbs his way all the way back to, I believe, a fifth place spot to finish off uh, uh, the race. And that's fantastic for him. Uh, In fact, I think if he had a couple more laps, he might have even been able to get Dean. Um, Racing all the way through, great ride from him. And uh, like basically, he he, he really kind of shut some people up because uh, I think a lot of people saw him go down that first lap and expect him to stay there. Worked his way all the way up to fifth. That's a great ride from him. Uh, Who didn't get uh, come back from a bad start was Joey Savacci. Also found himself on the ground in the first corner. Uh, Came around the first lap 20th in, in points and only moved forward to 16th which a lot which makes me think that maybe there was something wrong with either him or the motorcycle that would have kept him from uh, passing any more riders than that Uh, things weren't spread out that much to see and he was he was up uh, in that first lap so I don't I'm not too sure why he wasn't able to move that much further forward Uh, Justin Hill one of the rookies had extremely quiet night altogether uh, 15th spot I believe um, in the main event and uh, just ahead of uh, Joey Savacci so definitely not the the worst um, the worst rookie, but, uh, yeah, he definitely struggled, uh, and just sort of a quiet day. Um, your top rookie was, uh, was Aaron Plessinger, who had himself a pretty awesome ride. Uh, I was surprised to see him go a little bit backward later in the race. Um, but 
like all in all, a pretty nice weekend for Aaron Plessinger. Gets that first one out of the way, and he's off to the races. Uh, bummed for for Malcolm Stewart uh, after uh, basically being he was in second place for the first twelve laps. Grabs a little bit of uh, back brake, slides out. I don't know if that's a, la- a, a fatigue lapse in judgment or or just uh, that that moto stuff uh, brake system grabbing a little bit too hard. Um, but uh, either way, he's he's on the ground and uh, that basically spelled the end of his night. He was able to salvage it though with a st- uh, with I believe it was a seventh place spin- finish. Chad Reed uh, now has more top ten finishes. Then any anybody other than two guys have starts in Supercross. Two hundred and two top ten finishes is good enough for uh, if that was if you if you only counted up his uh, his top ten finishes he would be uh, he'd be second in starts or third in starts. Uh, so that's pretty impressive. Only Mike LaRocco and Kevin Windham are ahead of him in that. Uh, and uh, my girlfriend's calling me. I did not tell her I was doing a. a live video um so i'll call her back just shortly uh jason jason anderson um had an off night i believe he's dealing with a wrist issue and shout out to uh the privateer of the night ryan Brees, putting a, a, a completely stock basically bone stock uh yz450f in the main event uh through the through the heat race by the way that was pretty impressive and uh great to see that um but yeah that's uh the wrap up for uh for Anaheim one guys I hope you enjoyed it as far as what can we can uh what does this mean for Phoenix it means nothing too small of a sample size and the rain was too much of a factor to uh, to really determine anything so basically uh next weekend is a brand new series so stay tuned thanks for listening on uh the podcast and thank you for watching on uh Facebook <laughs>